Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. Well, good morning. Uh, If you do not know who I am, I am the lead pastor here. I'm James DeWitt. I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, for, truthfully, what is the first Sunday in Lent. Now, that comes with a lot of preconceived ideas. I recognize that. Some of you, you grew up in a tradition where you celebrated Lent, but what you remember of Lent is fish on Fridays and adults that were mad at you because they hadn't had their coffee or their caffeine, right? Um, Totally understand, totally understand. Some of you grew up in tradition like mine, where we actually, I didn't even know that there was this thing called Lent, this season of the Christian year called Lent. That was kind of my tradition that I grew up in. And so you're not as familiar with it at all. But here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to be starting a two-week series on the book of Hosea. And we're going to kind of walk through this book, and we're going to see some of the truths about what the season of Lent is supposed to be about as we walk through this book, okay? So if you want to turn to the book of Hosea, it's an Old Testament minor prophet, and I know some of you are looking at me like deer in the headlights, because I understand that is not one of those books that when you become a believer, when you become a Christian, that's, you know, just on the top priority of having, knowing exactly where it's at, okay? That's totally okay. So I'm going to give you some more time as you're trying to find the book of Hosea in the Old Testament by asking you a question. Um, have you ever been watching a show or a movie and it reminds you of someone? Maybe it reminds you of yourself. Uh, I have this happen to me quite often, especially with, um, you know, five ladies in my house. We'll be watching something and all of a sudden I'll be looking around as I have tears in my eyes and I'll see the girls looking straight at me because the character on the screen is me, Right. Uh, The ones that I've been compared to, if you have younger kiddos, you might be familiar with the show Bluey. They call me Bandit, all right? I am the dad in that show. Um, Or the one that's probably a little bit funnier that my uh, my oldest daughter said, this is definitely you, Dad. Uh, For millennials in here, Danny Tanner, you know who that is from Full House, right? And the reason they say that is for two reasons, okay? The first reason is because I am a neat freak, Okay? And you know Danny, Danny was like he had to have everything clean and it would stress him out if things weren't clean. Well, that's me, all right? I am a neat freak. You come over to my house, you're going to see me probably cleaning the counter, doing something, getting things nice and clean, all right? And the other reason, and I love this, this is what my oldest daughter said, the other reason is because she kind of wishes that there was that cheesy music that would happen at the end of every show whenever it was like time to cue the very important life lesson, because she's like, Dad, that is totally you. Whenever you preach to us, whenever you want to sit down and have this big life lesson, we have to come back to Jesus, and it's like we need this music just to kind of be cued to kind of get us to that point, you know? Uh, I thought that one was hilarious. Well, you know, the truth is, is that sometimes it's funny whenever we see ourselves in the story. Sometimes it's a little bit more sobering. It's a little bit more kind of uh, convicting even. 
And this morning, what I want to do is, I, as we spend some time in Hosea, I want to show us how we're in this story, that we should see ourselves in the story of Hosea. So hopefully you've gotten there by now. Hosea chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. So let's read this. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Bere, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. Okay, so one thing that I would be remiss if I didn't give you a warning. If you have younger ones in the audience with you today, okay, this uh, can be a bit racy in this book. We're not going to go into like super detail, so don't like think that I'm going to get in bring out all these little details. I just want to make that disclaimer so that I don't hear about it later that I should have warned you, okay? So you have been warned. So if you have younger ones and you need to take them out of the room, totally understand. Nobody's going to blame you, okay? But just be prepared. We're going to talk about these big themes throughout this book, okay? So now let's do a little bit of history. Let's kind of look, before we get into the the depth of this, let's kind of do a little bit of history. Before we get into Hosea's call into ministry, I want us to know what's gone on before this. Okay, so you might remember that when God leads the children of Israel out of Egypt, he makes this covenant with them, this promise to them. And he says this, he says, if you will obey me, then I will bless you. But he also gives the opposite. He says, if you don't obey me, then there will be cursing. Okay, and so this is all happens in Deuteronomy under the leadership of Moses. We fast forward a few years, Joshua has taken command, he leads the people of God into Canaan, which was the land that God had promised all the way back in Genesis to Abraham. So he leads him in, he leads Joshua and the people of Israel into Canaan, and then they divide up the nation, they divide up Israel into the different tribes or family lines. So they kind of give, okay, you get this section to the north, you get this section to the east, you get this section to the west, right? And they divide that out. Fast forward a few more years. They beg God for a king. God, we want to be like the other nations. Give us a king. So God does. And that is okay for roughly 120 years. There's there's three good kings that kind of reign over Israel for roughly 120 years. But after that, it all goes to pot, as they say, right? Things just start going really, really bad. And the nation starts to fall because they didn't keep their end of the covenant. They weren't obedient to what God had asked of them, okay? And so they become two different nations. There's the nation of Israel to the north and the nation of Judah to the south. So now the one kingdom becomes two kingdoms, and the northern kingdom of Israel is who Hosea is going to be prophesying to. That's that's who he mainly deals with, is he's going to deal with Israel to the north. And I wish that I could tell you that Israel had a few good kings, but unfortunately, Israel had zero kings who cared anything about God. They wanted to go worship all the other gods, the the Canaanites that dwelled in that land before Israel came in. So they were not obedient to the covenant to worship only God. So there's zero kings. And because of that, both Hosea and Amos are going to be prophesying to the, the nation of Israel about the imminent 
doom that is going to be happening, all right? Um, are you familiar with uh, the famous story, um, um, why am I blanking right now, uh, Alice in Wonderland? Are you familiar with that story? Yeah? It's kind of a quirky story if you really think about it, right? It's a little bit of a weird kind of story with some very strange characters, okay? Uh, but if I'm honest, the strangest one to me is the Queen of Hearts, because she is absolutely nothing like her name. If you remember the story, right? She's not this like sweet and loving, compassionate person. In fact, she's quite opposite. She gets agitated very easily and gets very angered at some of the other characters in the story and will often say, off with the heads, right? Well, it's, it's to a king that's very similar to this that Hosea is going to be prophesying about this imminent doom that's going to happen to Israel, okay? His name is Jeroboam. And, and it wasn't like Jeroboam um, didn't help Israel when it comes to politically. He helped expand the borders. He helped bring relative peace. But the problem was underlying. The problem was the dark side that Jeroboam had and the fact that he still worshipped the false gods of his father. And because he continued to do that, Hosea is saying there is going to be a reckoning. God is going to fulfill his end of the covenant where he said, if you disobey, there will be curses. So in other words, Israel is going to be coming to an end very soon. Now, many pastors, they can tell you exactly when and where God called them into ministry. But very few, I, I would seriously doubt very many at all, have a similar call to ministry like Hosea, all right? Because God asks him to marry a promiscuous woman. I can just think about Hosea right now. God, thank you for calling me into ministry. I'm so grateful that you're asking me to marry someone who is going to break my heart, right? But that's essentially what God does. Now, before we get like too crazy and thinking this is out of the character of God, this is not necessarily out of the character of God because God would use the prophets to call the people of Israel back to repentance, back to him. And so God would use all sorts of different kinds of things within the prophets to bring them back. In fact, Isaiah dressed like a prisoner of war one time. Uh, Jeremiah, he wore this yoke on his shoulders to help make a message to Israel. Uh, Ezekiel even got a funny-looking haircut to help demonstrate what he wanted to say, what God wanted to say to his people. So it's not outside the character of God. Yeah, but what God asks Hosea is really interesting because what he asks Hosea is something so that Hosea would understand God's very heart and the way that God feels with his people, Israel. It's pretty incredible. Now, scholars, they kind of debate back and forth whether or not Gomer, who is going to be the woman that Hosea marries, whether or not she was already kind of a lady of the night, if you will, or if she just was prone to that. Now, I, I want to make an argument real quick, just because I think it's important. I want to make an argument um, from something that another scholar said that I think proves that she actually already was, okay? Warren Wearsby, he says this. He says, in the Old Testament, prostitution is, a symbol is symbolic of idolatry and unfaithfulness to God. And since the Jews were idolatrous from the very beginning, it seems likely that Gomer would have to be a prostitute when she married Hosea. 
for this would best symbolize Israel's relationship to the Lord. So here's the thing. If Gomer really was going to symbolize Israel, then she had to be fitting for the part. Okay. Now, you might remember that when God goes to Abraham and calls him to leave all of his family in the land of Ur, you remember Abraham's dad worshipped false gods. So God calls Abraham out of idolatry to come and be a part of what God is doing. Okay? Now, fast forward. Think about Israel whenever they are delivered out of Egypt. Moses is up on the mountain re- receiving instruction from God. He's been there a little too long. And do you remember what they start to do? They make an idol. And they say, hey, let's, let's make something with our own hands that we can worship and say thank you to for leading us out of Egypt. So idolatry is part of who Israel was. They, they already were idolatrous when God comes to make the covenant. Now, you might be thinking, okay, what does this have to do with me? Here's what I want you to know. Just like Israel, every single one of us was sinful. We were sinful. We, we, we loved other things when God found us, when he found us. Listen, none of us sought God on our own. None of us sought him. Paul tells us that no one seeks after God. No, not one. You didn't come to him for a relationship with him. He pursued you. Now, here's the thing. Some of you in this room, you think because of the family that you were born into, that that means that you are in a relationship with God. That you were, Because you were born into that, you automatically have a relationship with God. I, I just want to tell you the truth of what Scripture says. It reveals to us that that is not the truth. The truth is God pursues you, you respond to that grace, to that love, and that is how relationship begins. It's what Pastor J.D. Greer says is the most mind-blowing thing in all of Scripture. God reaching out incessantly to a group of people who pay him little attention. He pursues And sometimes we respond, sometimes we don't respond. But he incessantly comes after us. So through the prophetic book here in Hosea, even though it's all about Israel's sin, we have to understand that even as people under the new covenant, we have to see ourselves in the person of Gomer. We are the promiscuous woman. That is who we are. We are unfaithful in our love towards God. We make all sorts of other things more important than Him, than loving Him and worshiping Him alone. And when God saved us, we already had a poor reputation because the Scripture says we were already sinners. It wasn't like we had cleaned up. We were already sinners when He came and found us. Okay, so the text says that Hosea and Gomer, they have three children, and that God wants Hosea to give them very particular names. Now, I've shared this before. I love names. It's one of my favorite things is kind of see the etymology of where names come from. Um, And so when Emily and I named our four girls, it was uh, very important to me that their name had meaning. You know, some people, again, they, um, they name their children because it's a family name. Some people like the way that it flows together. We wanted it to have meaning. 
So I'm going to go through my girls' names for you, okay? So Karis Nicole means victorious grace, right? Michaela Ruth means who is like God in his friendship. Rebecca Loving means bound to love. And then Cadence Joy means the rhythm of joy. Beautiful names, right? The character of God, who God is. That's not what's going to happen here. I'm just kind of warning you, okay? That's not what's going to happen here. So let's go back to the text. I want you to see what happens. So we're going to pick up in verse 4 in chapter 1, okay? Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel. This is their firstborn son, okay? Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses or horsemen, but I, the Lord, their God, will save them. After she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. The Lord said, call him Loami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Okay, so let's, let's kind of look at these names a little bit. So their first son is named after this horrific incident where a man named Jehu got a little carried away. Now, he, he was enacting justice uh, on a guy named King Ahab, which if you know anything about Scripture, he was one of the worst kings of Israel. Absolutely horrific king. He wore to, married a horrible woman that was all into all sorts of idolatry. Okay? But Jehu, who was commanded by God to do this, he got a little bit happy. And he, he went and killed people he wasn't supposed to kill. And God, that angered God. It frustrated him. He didn't follow obediently what God had asked him to do. And instead, he took matters into his own hands and did what he wanted. So this first story, uh, this first name is about that story. Can you imagine little Jezreel whenever he's old enough to kind of read these stories? And he's looking at this story about Jehu, and he's like, what is my name about? This horrific incident where all these people were murdered? Right? You can just imagine this poor kid, like, trying to kind of grapple with this. Well, it's a horrible name. It's even a more horrible judgment because God isn't just saying, hey, I'm going to get rid of the family of Jehu for what he's done, but I'm actually going to put an end to the people of Israel. The nation of Israel is going to be, and this actually happened. 722, uh, the Assyrians came down, invaded Israel, and they took over. What about us? What does this name mean for us this morning? But what if God shined a spotlight on you of judgment and he said, you know what? I am putting an end to this in your life. And what if everybody in here got to see that? Would you sit there a little bit ashamed, a little bit embarrassed, a little bit taken back? I know I would. I know I would. But see, the one truth and consistency in Scripture is that God will get justice. He will get justice. Okay, so their second child, which many scholars actually say they don't even think was Hosea's son. I mean, was Hosea's, excuse me. They don't even think that was Hosea's child. The daughter was not actually Hosea's. Her name, Lo-Ruhama, means not loved. So God is literally telling Hosea that because of Israel's constant idolatry, constantly pursuing something other than him, breaking their covenant and their promise to him, that he 
It's not going to love them anymore. And that love was shown primarily through the nation's very existence, that it was allowed to be. God is going to take that away, and that's why they get conquered. Again, 722. Now, I think it's important for us to see that God continued to show love and grace to Israel. All the way through this point, God has continued to show. They've been idolatrous for a long time, and God has continued to show them love and faithfulness up in up keeping his part of the covenant. He's kept his end of the promises. But here's what's crazy. As God continued to bless them, continued to, to give them things to bless them, they took those things and they went and they worshiped another God with them. I want you to see this. See this in chapter two. Chapter two, verse eight. She, this is speaking of Israel, has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold, and then catch this part, which they used for Baal. That's the, that's the God of that time. So instead of receiving God's blessing and turning around and thanking the one true God, they go and use it to worship a false God. Can I ask you this question? Have you ever done that in your life? Have you ever taken something God has given you, an ability, a talent, a skill, and you start to maybe worship yourself with it? You start to worship something else with it? The very gifts that God has given to you, you take and you use towards something else. We're not too different. We're not too different. And finally, their last child's name is Lo-Ami which means not my people. See, God essentially tells Hosea, I have had enough with Israel. I'm I'm done with them. In fact, the language is so rough here that God is saying he's going to do something that he absolutely detests, something that he hates. He uses the D word. I want to divorce my people. That's how angry God is about this. Here's what we need to see. See, just like Israel seen through the names of each of Hosea's children, we deserve God's judgment on us as a result of our own sin. Again, we're not too different than them. We're not that far off. Now, we alluded to this earlier that through the children's names, and I said this a minute ago, that most likely these last two children aren't actually Hosea's. Because during that time, Gomer had gone back into her harlotry. She had gone back into pursuing relationships with other men. She wanted to find satisfaction in other men. And eventually, she even leaves Gomer. She leaves Gomer for this guy who's abusive, and then is going to turn around and actually sell her as like a human trafficked person is what he's going to do. And can you imagine this just for a second? Here you are, Gomer. You don't have the greatest of reputations. It's not like you are the, you know, the, the poster child for you know, purity in the first place. And this man comes to you, and he pursues you, desiring to have a relationship with you. He woos you. He dates you. You realize he's a good, good man. 
And he loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he says he wants to marry you. And he asks you to marry him. And you're excited because you have your first child with him. Everything's going great, but then there's something in you that keeps drawing you back to that past. To those old loves, those old things that made you feel good about yourself. Till finally, you just got to get that craving fixed. So you leave this man who has done nothing but love you faithfully and well. That's, that's Gomer's story. It's, it's hard for us to believe that, right? It's, it's hard for us to really get our mind around that situation. Now, now imagine you're Hosea. You've been asked to do what God has called you to do. You've loved this woman, and it starts out really great. But then she leaves you, goes and puts herself back into promiscuity, and then eventually prostitution. And in fact, when we catch up in the text in chapter 3, that's exactly what's happened. She is on the selling block to be sold. She's left her husband, been with this other guy. This other guy puts her up on the block. And God tells Hosea, go and buy her back. So Hosea takes all the money that he has. That's what Scripture indicates. Everything that he has, all of his life savings, he goes and he spends it to buy back what was already his. It was already his wife. And he goes and buys her back to bring her back into their home. The Jesus Storybook Bible is this really poetic and beautifully illustrated children's book. I highly recommend it if you have little ones. It's great bedtime reading. But in it, there's this refrain that keeps on getting repeated. Listen to what it says. You see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love his children with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That's the kind of love that God wanted Hosea to feel towards Gomer. It's why he asked him to do it in the first place. It was the love that God was showing to Israel. It's the love that God shows to you and me. It never gives up. It never stops. Paul says there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from this love. There's nowhere we can go to get away from it. God is going to pursue us. You know, just in these first few chapters of Hosea, we've seen how God is continually comparing Gomer to the people of Israel, right? Because they too were pr promiscuous by following other gods and worshiping idols. In God's eyes, they had been adulterous in their covenant relationship to him. Do you know what the punishment for adultery was according to Jewish law? Death. death. But that's not what our God does. Our God, full of mercy, compassionate love, this never-ending, never-giving-up kind of love, instead of allowing us to die, He takes our place and He dies for us. 
He dies the death that we were supposed to die because of our own adulterous relationship, pursuing all these things other than him. He steps in and he dies in our place. And the most scandalous thing is that as he's on the cross, he was the one who was thought of as adulterous, not us. He was the one thought of as the sinner, not us. That's the God who loves us. That's the God who takes our place. Okay, so, so Lent is about being reminded of the suffering of Jesus. And sometimes we participate in that by denying ourselves of something, right? But it's also about this sobering idea that death awaits each of us. We can't escape it. Death is part of the human experience. But as we count down to Easter, we're reminded that we have a hope that is greater than death. Because Jesus has taken our place. The consequences for our sin have been taken care of. This morning, maybe you realize that you've been pursuing so many other things, trying to find fulfillment in them, but you recognize for the first time right now that God is the only one who can fulfill that because of his love that pursues you. This morning, I invite you to let him know that. Tell him how grateful you are for that love. Others, you know God's love, but you also, you recognize that instead of being content in it, you've been pursuing other things. Other things that are less fulfilling. This morning, would you just know, would you just rest in that God is pursuing you? He loves and desires relationship with you. He wants you. He is pursuing you. He will never stop. He will never give up. He loves you with an always and forever kind of love. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you so much for finding ourselves in this obscure Old Testament passage. God, where we recognize that we are the promiscuous ones. We're the ones who pursue other things other than you. And this morning, we just want to come before you and we want to repent and we want to say that we are sorry. Turn us and our hearts and our affections and our love back to you because, God, you are the only one who will fulfill us. We thank you that Jesus took the consequences of that sin onto himself by dying on the cross for us. We are grateful and we love you in return. Help our response to be in gratitude and love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out 
and love one another like Jesus did.